This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Keep it going for me. Last week I went nine and five, and you know what that means? I actually had a winning weekend. Funny how sometimes things work out. Plus, my same game parlay cash. The Cowboys covered minus one and a half, beat the Patriots. C.D. Lamb scored a touchdown, and the Pats scored fewer than 18 and a half points. Bill Simmons hadn't been that upset since they canceled Melrose Place. But now it's a new week, and we're going to try to make it three in a row and keep the winning train moving. Here's another winning three-leg parlay for you. Coming up, we've got writer-director Trayvon Free joining us. His documentary, BS High, covered the insane Bishop Sycamore scandal. We'll talk to him about interviewing their head coach slash conman, Leroy Johnson. Plus, helping me break down all this weekend's big games, Darren the Parlay Kid will be in the handicapper hot seat, and I'll be addressing a plague upon the NFL season that is in danger of ruining the game we love in Wager Rager. But before any of that, let's do our best to recap that instant classic between the Chicago Bears and Washington Commanders in a segment that is sweeping the nation. Cover your eyes. It's Cover 4. Cover 1. All right, the Bears won 40-20 to last night, snapping a 14-game losing streak. It had been a while before last night, Last time they were victorious, gas was only $9 a gallon. Will Smith and Chris Rock were besties. Queen Elizabeth was teaching a Pilates class. Okay, maybe I made those things up, but the point is it had been a long time, and more importantly, it marked 13 straight losses since they traded for Chase Claypool. There's a blast from the past, huh? The Bears, of course, swapped a second-round pick, let's call it Joey Porter Jr., to Pittsburgh for the underachieving wideout, who was upset because Chicago offense wasn't using him. They, he wasn't getting the ball. He complained that they put tomatoes and pickles on his hot dog. He had a laundry list of beefs. Well, they did it. They did it without him. The curse is gone, Chase, and you can be as well. Good riddance. Some residual fantasy bitterness. I'll be okay. Cut the two. Al Michaels kicked off last night's broadcast saying this already feels like a winning season for Commanders fans because Daniel Snyder finally sold the team after 24 long years, blah, 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 which I get, but... 
Then they went out and got doubled up by a winless team. Now, I'm not saying Josh Harris has buyer's remorse, but the guy spent $6 billion to buy the commanders. I think he was hoping for more than just moral victories. Sure, fixing the drain pipes and ending the Ravens preseason winning streak and awkwardly wearing fancy Louis Vuitton leather jackets is nice, but it only goes so far. You gotta give a little extra effort. The Suns team owner, Matt Ishbia, bought the team and then immediately traded for Kevin Durant. So that's how you do it. The commander's season highlight need to be something besides Josh Harris awkwardly shaking Joe Buck's hand. Okay. I admit that's tough to beat. Combat three. I'm happy the Bears won. I know it wasn't at home in front of the Chicago faithful, but to do it in such dominating fashion just hours after the unfortunate passing of Hall of Famer Dick Butkus was pretty damn cool. Aside from having the greatest name in all of sports, Dick Butkus was a two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year for the Bears, an eight-time Pro Bowler. He had 22 interceptions, 27 fumble recoveries, and would have had over 65,000 sacks if anyone had the foresight to record them. And let's not forget an often overlooked accomplishment playing the role of coach Mike Katowinski on the short-lived but highly entertaining Saturday morning teen sitcom Hang Time. He did it all. He was a legend. R.I.P. Dick and good job by you Commander's defense for holding a moment of silence for an entire 60 minutes in his honor. The Bears. Cover four. You know, all week I was hearing a lot of complaining about this game. And okay, look, I agree on paper going into this one, Washington and Chicago was a bad matchup. In fact, I'm not sure when in history it was a good matchup. Maybe the NFL was trying to recapture the glory of 1940 when the Bears scored a nail biter of a victory over the then Redskins 73 nothing. The Toy Story version was much closer. But my big takeaway is we can't complain because we had football. There is no such thing as bad football, just like there's no such thing as bad mashed potatoes or bad Beatles tunes. I can't believe I need to remind you, but responsible wagering makes everything better. If you bet on DJ Moore to score three touchdowns at 130 to one, you're loving this cruddy matchup, but this doesn't translate to other aspects of life, does it? If you're on a bad date, you're stuck. There's no betting an over-under how many times the deadbeat you met on Plenty of Fish mentions his vintage t-shirt collection before the entree is served, right? Not to mention, check out your other TV options. Bad football, always better than good Golden Bachelor. You don't believe me? Go ahead. Have fun watching an elderly pickleballer try to flirt with an ancient bag of bones. I could say that because that ancient bag of bones is my Aunt Chippy who tried to smack me with her nicotine-stained hands in public when I was 48 years old. We're still working through some stuff. All right, that does it for cover four. Cover four! What a strange voice. You know, there are some bets where you spend hours crunching the numbers and analyzing data looking for an edge. Well, you're not gonna get any of that here. Settle in for my weekly attempt at a comedic and irrationally angry look at a bet that I'm backing. It's time for Wager Rager. All right, the NFL has an epidemic right now. Worse than the time Sam Darnold infected the league with mono. <coughs> much worse it's widespread and it's in danger of destroying the game we love it's called taunting penalties and the worst of these life-sucking infractions occurred last week in philadelphia and don't get me wrong i hate the eagles more than i hate doing burpees but when aj brown was called for taunting last week even i was annoyed 
Look at that nonsense. That call allowed the commanders to navigate across a shorter field. They tied the game. They went to overtime. Of course, they eventually lost the game because they're the commanders, but that doesn't change the fact that the taunting call was ridiculous. They're all ridiculous. Let's forget the part where doing the dab in the same vicinity as an opponent carries the same penalty as swinging a punter around by his face mask until his mustache falls off. We could ignore that hypocrisy or the fact that some of the celebrations are penalized for taunting and some aren't. You know what I'm talking about. A team intercepts a pass and then after the play they collectively sprint 90 yards downfield and perform Michael Jackson's thriller in the end zone. That's fine, but spinning a ball in the direction of your beaten opponent, uh, no, 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 sorry. You're going to have to do some time in Rikers for that. And here's the worst part. We're treating these players like delicate dandelions. They're not elementary school kids with peanut allergies being forced to attend the Skippy convention. <laughs> these are football players, the same ones that chuckled after being ridiculed during rookie skit night. The same ones that squat 600 pounds in their sleep. These are tough guys, and yet we're supposed to pretend the entire league is as sensitive as a Coldplay album? Honestly, if they could take sitting in the back of the draft room for five hours, waiting for their name to be called, they could endure anything. Look at this man, DK Metcalf. He looks like the cousin of one of the Avengers. I'm pretty sure waving goodbye in his direction isn't gonna bust him up emotionally. Seriously, have we ever seen a player go to the medical tent for hurt feelings? I haven't. Refs shouldn't discourage taunting, they should embrace it. In fact, join in. Who wouldn't want to see Ed Hockley Jr. play the role of one of the bowling pin players? That's what I'm doing, embracing it. Remember last week when Stone Cold Stefan Diggs busted some beers together after scoring? Well, I'm wagering on him to do it again this week in London, maybe this time with a couple of hot toddies. Stefan Diggs, minus 110 to score a touchdown. Give me a hell yeah if you like that bet. Hell yeah! Thank you. Cold brews all around for the crew. Hey, we got a great show for you. Academy Award winning director Trayvon Free will join us. And up next, my buddy Darren the Parlay Kid and I will pick all the important NFL and college football games this weekend. Cousin Sal's winning weekend returns just a bit. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Let's get to it. Here to help us break down all the important Week 5 NFL games and college matchups, he's the Antonio Cromartie of East Northport in that he was a great cover corner and also father to 73 children. One of them, Mikey Meatballs, producing this disaster of a show. My good pal Darren, the parlay kid, Ciccoli, in the handicapping hot seat. What's up, Darren? What's going on, Sal? Thanks for having me back. Of course, of course. You're like the only one who won out of uh, the D3. By the way, every week, though, Darren, you we see the slate, and you say, oh, my God, this is an impossible slate. 
and then you thrive. So get it out of the way. Tell, tell us how, how hard this is, and no one's going to win. You know, as I said on our podcast, Sal, this is a difficult week. It's so <laughs> hard. Go. It's so hard. I, I'm setting the bar really low this week, right. Sal. Really low. You heard him, and that means nothing uh, nothing worse than 11 and 6. All right, let's start <laughs> in London here. They're doing it again. Buffalo this time, technically the home team, five-and-a-half-point favorite against Jacksonville, who stayed over. They could have flown back, but they didn't. They thought it was easier yeah. to stay, and I agree with that move. Um, so they've been there for two weeks. Uh, Buffalo 3-1 and one against the spread. Jacksonville 2-2 two and two against the number. Bills, obviously the big winners last week, stomped the Dolphins, who had scored 70 the previous week. They really looked like a Super Bowl team. Jacksonville beat a listless Falcons team. They had a pick six that crushed my first half under bet. Um, the question as far as intangibles go, Parlay Kid, is... Which one is going to be affected more? Is it going to be the Jags who had to stay there for two weeks or the Bills who just had to travel there after a big win? I am taking the points here. I think uh, the answer to my own question is the Jags have the uh, favored situation there. Bills basically had their quarter point Super Bowl beating the Dolphins and now have to go play the Jags. Um, I don't love this Jags team, but you know, They finished fourth in the NFL in takeaways in 2022 and then are fourth also through four games this year. I think this is what's going to get them over the top this week. Not saying they win, but I like the five and a half. I think Josh Allen, I don't say reverts back to that week one performance against the Jets, but I could see him coughing it up once or twice. Couple turnovers, lousy game. I want to take the points here. You're uh, against me, but you're taking a nice fun prop here, huh? Yeah, let's start Sunday morning off with a, a fun prop here. So, because I really don't like this game. I don't really don't know how it's going to play out with the back-to-back uh, London game, the Bills traveling. So let's take this fun Josh Allen, Josh mm. Allen prop. Josh Allen Jaguars, mm-hmm. one full sack, and Josh Allen Bills, two-plus touchdown passes at plus 300. Allen is on top of the sack leaderboard with six Mm -hmm. sacks so far this year. Allen, Josh Allen of the Bills, has thrown nine touchdown passes so far. Right. So what could go wrong here? This is a fun Sunday morning (laughs) bet. The last time they played, Allen got to Allen with the sack. So I'm betting on that again. Allen throws. He's been so hot, Sal. He's throwing two touchdown passes in this game. Plus 300. Let's roll with it. What a fun way to kick off your football Sunday. What a freaky Friday type situation with the two Josh Allens yeah. here. Um, so you want the defensive Josh Allen to sack the offensive Josh Allen, but not in such a way that the offensive Josh Allen can't then come back and throw for two touchdowns. Oh, just lay him down really nicely. I see. A, okay. a, a nice sack early in the game, and then Allen can go off. Yeah. I wonder if the Bills' Josh Allen doesn't mind being sacked by the other Josh Allen, <laughs> only because it puts the name out there, you know? It's uh, it's in the side, guys. All right, so uh, that's our take on that game. Atlanta home for Houston. Atlanta, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Atlanta, one-and-three against the spread this year. Houston, two-and-two. Two. This is a tough one for me because I love what Houston has done. Everyone wants to talk about CJ Stroud and and they should, and I should, because I have him for 10 to one at 10 to one for offensive rookie of the year. Defense has been good too. Jonathan Greener already three sacks. Atlanta, not great and not fun to watch, uh, especially that offense, 24th in yards per game. But I think this is a good spot for them. I think Houston is slightly overvalued still with the rookie quarterback on the road. And if Atlanta is ever going to get their act together, it's got to be at home with this small number versus the impressive 
but still pretty green Houston team. I'm buying low on Desmond Ritter, parlay kid. He knows this could be his last game as a starter. A lot of Heineke whispers. Yeah. Also ranking on, uh, uh, counting on Atlanta's fifth-ranked defense in opponent yards per game. Yep. So their defense kind of wins this for them. I'm taking Atlanta minus one and a half. Yeah, Sal, you just basically said the first two games were tough, so I, I'm right right here. These, <laughs> yeah, these you're are right. tough you're matchups. Right. <laughs> uh, look, I like this matchup in terms of the two premier rookies in the league uh, with the quarterback Stroud and, of course, Robinson running the ball for Atlanta. Atlanta's averaging a measly 15 and a half points per game, Sal. Texans coming off two impressive wins. Take the Texans, right? No, wrong. They've <laughs> lost 11 straight to NFC opponents. Yeah. 11 straight. The Falcons are 2-0 two and, two and at home so far this year. And the favorite has won in each of the Falcons' last 11 games. They can't wait on Ritter anymore, Sal. I wouldn't su- be surprised if he doesn't get off to a good start that we see Heineke early in this game, sparks the offense, Robinson in his six yards per carry that he goes off in this one. Let's take the Falcons. I know a lot's happened in the last month, but if you would have made a line on this preseason, it probably would have been about six, right? Uh, Atlanta against the rookie quarterback, Atlanta being home, right? And everybody loved Atlanta. So again, you're getting some value in this number. If Atlanta could show any, any signs of what everybody thought uh, preseason about them. All right. This is an interesting one. Tennessee, versus Indy, two-and-a-half-point favorite Tennessee now. It was Indy by one-and-a-half. So this moved four points, a big mover, and I don't see anything right now about Anthony Richardson not playing, but I could be wrong. Titans three-and-one against the spread. Colts are two-and-two. Colts surprising me, hanging in all these games. I thought this franchise was going to be destroyed. I think they thought they were going to be a laughing stock. Um, you know, they they beat the Ravens in a weird game, weird overtime game. They're almost three and one, right? That went to overtime against the Rams. Um, and I don't want to overreact to Tannehill's 18 for 25 yeah. for 240 last week against Cincinnati, but they're facing a Colts team with holes in the secondary. Still a top 10, 11 team defensively. I like Tennessee in this one. I picked them to win the division preseason, and I like them in this coin flip game. Number moving all over the place, Barley Kid. Yeah, another coin flip game here, Sal. The Titans found their running game in week four, and Sal, they've covered nine straight October games. Meanwhile, the Colts have lost their last seven at home and have failed to cover the spread in eight out of their last nine games as the favorite. Mm-hmm. Titans D is only allowing 17 and a half points a game. They were super physical against Cincinnati. Look for a repeat performance like Michael Myers, Vrabel owns October. Oh, I didn't Take even know Titans. that. Interesting. Yeah. Owns <laughs> to see. Owns well, anyone wants to buy October, forget it. You got to go through Michael Myers. <laughs> I'll throw a couple other trends at you. Tennessee 5-0 and straight up in the last five meetings against Colts yep. and 4-1 and against the spread in the last <laughs> five on the road against the Colts. All right, Miami, home for the Giants. This has jumped to 11 and a half, 48 and a half is the over-under. I'm doing something a little different, Parlay Kid. I'm going Giants over 16 and a half points. It sounds crazy, but I did this last week with the Commanders and the Jets, bet their team total over after a dismal performance, and it was kind of, it was pretty easy. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get there. I do know, like, they're a little susceptible, the Dolphins are, to the short pass, and that should favor Daniel Jones with these bunch of, like, C-level receivers he has to throw to, right? Who is he has? Robinson, Waller, Hyatt, uh, Darius Slayton. So um, 50% of the yards passing against the Dolphins come uh, after the catch, and that's what's going to happen in this short yardage. 
Daniel Jones type offense. Parley Kid, what you got? Yeah, I'm taking the Dolphins here, Sal. The Giants look so bad on Monday night. I just can't come back with them at all, even though they've won their last three games as underdogs against the AFC. But it really doesn't mean anything right now with the way they're playing football, especially on a short week for them. Sal, they haven't had a single snap this year with a lead. They've been Mm. terrible. The G-Men are averaging 11.5 points per game, the lowest total in the league, while surrendering 30.5 points per game. They have zero interceptions on on the season. If I have to bet on a team rebounding this week, it's not going to be the Giants. It's the Dolphins rebounding Mm. in a big way. Dolphins cover the spread here, Sal. Let's roll with Miami. Yeah, that's an amazing stat. So now they've played 16 quarters and have not snapped the ball offensively with the lead. And I think you could say the same for the Jets, right? Giants and Jets, yeah. both. Um, and by the way, Parlegan, how is it living in New York, Giants and Jets being so bad, and the Cowboys, as a Cowboys fan? These are the gravy days, right? <laughs> these are the gravy days. So you don't even hear anybody the chirping about the Giants or Jets no. at all right now. Very, very low say? king. What can yeah. they say? All right, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. It's at Pittsburgh. Baltimore, four-and-a-half-point favorite. Another one jumping all over the place. It was three-and-a-half a uh, day ago. And 38 is the over-under. Baltimore, three-and-one against the spread. The Steelers are two-and-two two against the number. This is tough. You're right. They're all tough now. Um, you watch the Ravens, and they look like they're solid on both sides of the ball. That Colts game was weird. They lost that one. They yeah. lost it in overtime. Then they destroy the Browns with the backup who had, like, uh, 130 passing yards and three interceptions. And I'm not sure a limited, yes, limited Kenny Pickett is going to be much better in terms of what he could do offensively. But I know this. This is always a close game. I know some of these didn't involve Lamar Jackson. 16-13, and 16-13, the last three times these teams played. Um, and it's tough to win two straight on the road in this division, Parley Kid. It is. I don't yeah. care what the quarterback right. looks like. And that's why I'm banking on the Steelers plus the points. They're 7-3 and three against the spread in the last 10 against the AFC North. I don't know what pick it. Maybe we yeah. see Trubisky or something, but 4.5 seems too rich a number to pass up. Yeah, I agree with you, Sal. Look, would I prefer to see Trubisky over Pickett? I actually would. I know that's... Not saying a lot in some cases, but I would feel more comfortable. But uh, like you said, the Steelers have won their last seven home games as an underdog following a loss. Najee Harris seems to be back on track with two solid games. Pittsburgh D is sixth in sacks, seventh in interceptions. And Pittsburgh has won five out of the last six regular season matchups uh, against the Ravens. Let's take the Steelers and the points here, Sal. I think we got it. These games play too close. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, New Orleans and New England. I looked at the spread, and I thought it was so weird. It was one. New England was one and a half. The tic-tac yeah. zone, as we called it. Some of our uh, listeners named it. Um, and the tic-tac switched the other way. Now the Saints, as the time we're recording this, are one-point favorite. 38 and a half is the over-under. I don't know what I would expect this to be because New England was so bad, yeah. and it takes them forever to move the ball. But the Saints are the same. They kind of are. Like Derek Carr, I don't know. Uh, I guess he has an excuse because he's banged up a little, and Mac Jones uh, wasn't. But it's moving all over the place. I'd love for these spreads to just stay the same. Uh, I wanted to do a teaser to push this past the number, so I'm going to do that. 
Adjusted spread parlay. Stay with me. Saints plus seven and a half. So they get a full touchdown and the under 43 and a half. You have to go a little juicy here. Minus 126. I feel parlay kid. This has 2016, 2117 written all over it. Neither team can get anything going offensively. Christian Gonzalez out, obviously. Matt Judon out defensively. But still, you know the Patriots are going to play tough at home against some of these, um, you know, lower level teams uh, offensively, if you will. So I'm going under 43 and a half adjusted Saints plus seven and a half. Well, I'm with you on this uh, in terms of the score. I'm taking this game as the lowest scoring game of the week at plus mm. 550. We know Brother Bry hit on this this past weekend. This game has all the markings of a defensive battle. The Patriots have the 10th ranked defense. The Saints have the 11th ranked defense. And on offense, the Saints rank 25th. Patriots 31st, averaging 14 points a game. Not many explosive plays in this one, Sal. Possibly the lowest scoring game. Let's roll with it at plus 550. I agree with you that it'll be the lowest scoring game, but only if uh, for some reason Pittsburgh-Baltimore gets canceled. I don't know. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think they're right yeah, in there. I think true. they're about the same. Uh, Cincinnati, three-point favorite, of course, and 44.5 is the over-under mm-hmm. at Arizona. Uh, I'm going to list this as my stay away when we do Ringer Wise Guys on Sunday. Mm. This is three weeks in a row, Parley Kid. Cincinnati's either been a two and a half or three point favorite. Uh, it worked if you picked them against the Rams. Did not work last week against the Titans. And now here they are. They have some work to do. I'm, I, I'm not betting against them this game, but I'm doing yeah. a race to 10, Parley Kid. Now, this is our favorite NBA bet. We yeah. get together, me and the D3, and we scream like idiots. We're on Twitter, and we bet an NBA team to score 10 before the other team. We don't really do it with football, but I'm doing it with Arizona. For them to score 10 points first is plus 116. They do score and score early, not last week, but they were the first to score 10 versus the Commies, versus the Giants, and, of course, against our Cowboys. This could be one of those games where they have the lead and Gimpy Joe has to battle back to bring his team to uh, victory. But I'm getting plus 116 that the Cardinals Mm. score 10 first. You like the Cardinals just outright, or plus three at least. Plus three here, Sal. Yeah, that's an interesting one. What's the lowest you can go on that, Sal? Plus five on the race to, I mean, five on the race to 10? Is that what you can go? Race to five, is that what you're saying? Race to five, yeah. yeah. I I think they do. Fandle has them every five. Fandle does it like the the LSU yard lines. Uh, Every five up to like a thousand. That's fun. We got to get on that more like we do in basketball. I think race to five could be extremely fun. But Sal, I'm taking, like you said, I'm taking the Cardinals here. Cincinnati has failed to cover the spread in seven of their last eight and just seem to be out of sync with this offense. Obviously, not being helped by these lingering in Joe Burrow injuries. T. Higgins is now hurt. He might not even be playing this weekend. Broken rib. So I don't know how he could be playing with that. I've had a broken rib. Not fun to play with. Mm. And Josh Dobbs, Sal. Man, Coach Gannon is kind of using him as Jalen Hurts light. He's been really effective for this team, completing yeah. 70% of his passes, four touchdowns, no INTs. And he's contributed pretty well with his legs. Since he should not be a three-point favorite on the road against anyone, especially against Arizona, who dismantled the Cowboys in their Mm. last home game two weeks ago. Let's take the Cardinals and the points here, Sal. All right. I don't know what the problem is. Jamar Chase says he's open. And you know what? We are open to analyzing a few more games with the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Chiefs, Notre Dame, the Red River rivalry, all when the Parlay Kid and I return on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. 
Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. We are still joined by Darren the Parley Kid, an athlete himself. He was our high school quarterback and went on to wrestle at the University of Dayton. And then after your freshman year, the program folded. What the hell did you do, Parley Kid? I, I didn't win a match, I, so I guess... Uh, <laughs> that was it? They didn't really match? help out. <laughs> your father made a call, and that was that. Okay, let's keep going with these games. Uh, Philadelphia on the road, minus four and a half at the Rams in SoFi. They'll probably have more of the fans. Um, you know, let's not kid ourselves. 49 and a half is the over on there. Look, look, I'm happy to announce I was wrong about the Rams. I thought they, I left them for dead. Um, you know, I thought they were going to tank. They had a lot of dead cap space. Uh, Cup was injured off the bat. Stafford had a spine injury going into the season. And then this miracle, Pukunakua, uh, <laughs> came out. And they are competitive in every game. And I'm saying I'm happy to be wrong because I've jumped on it the last couple of weeks. So I've made a little money. I think four and a half is too many. And I, I, I don't know. I don't love what this Eagles team has done. Probably kid, I still see some cracks. I think... The Rams put together a game, better game plan than the Commanders do, and the Commanders took them to overtime. So mm. there's going to be a letdown eventually, and I think this is the week in front of the SoFi crowd. Give me the Rams plus four and a half. I'm with you, Sal. The Rams are 4-0, uh, 4-0 and 1 against the spread in their last five, thanks to some backdoor covers as well. And they're also 5-1 and one straight up in their last six against NFC East opponents. The Eagles have won three games by six points or less so far this year and have been very fortunate to recover six opponent fumbles in four games. There's going to be some regression there. I think the Eagles win this, Sal, but it's going to be a close one. Let's take the Rams and the points. First of all, I would love, I would love, love, love for some Rams fans to show up to this game. Secondly, can, I would also love equally as much for Sean McVay to figure out how to avoid third and one, third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two mm. for the Eagles. Because we know we know what happens there, and it's not pretty. It's not good for a Cowboys fan to look at. All right, Kansas City, this line has gone down. It was four and a half. They are now three and a half point favorites at Minnesota. I'm going to take a teaser here, Parlay Kid, going Minnesota plus nine and a half and teasing it over 46 and a half. Now, our friend Harry, this is his uh, pick of the year, the Vikings. So part of me mm. would like this to lose. Um, because we root against each other. That's uh, that's what we've done. We've done it for uh, decades now. He took a shirt off and everything. It was uh, disgusting. But uh, I'm going to tease the Vikings. Nine and a half, 46 and a half. They lost all four games by one score after going 11 and 0 in one score games last year. Probably kid. 23 of the last 24 home games, they've stayed within 10 points. So teasing this above the 10 is a nice thing, a nice way to go. But I got it at nine and a half. I'm happy with that. Couple struggles this season, uh, but last year Kansas City hit the over in six of their nine away games. I like a lot higher scoring game, and I'm cutting six points off the total. Vikings nine and a half, 46 and a half. That's my teaser. 
Yeah, I'm taking Vikings over 23 and a half points, Sal. And a lot of this does have to do with the Chiefs bouncing back from their own weak offensive performance against the Jets. The Vikings having to play catch up or keep up with mm-hmm. this explosive Chiefs offense. Jefferson's on pace for over 2,000 yards. So he's unstoppable, basically. Cousins third in the league in passing yards. Madison has gotten a running game going for them over 90 yards his last yep. two games. This just feels like a high-scoring affair. Let's take the Vikings over 23.5 points. Also, you cannot trust Patrick Mahomes anymore. He's too smart for the game. Sliding for a first down where he easily could have gotten a mm-hmm. touchdown and a cover for the Ooh. Chiefs. Oh, the fans hated that. Uh, San Francisco, all right, well, this one's going to hurt. Three-and-a-half-point mm-hmm. favorite over our beloved Dallas Cowboys. Both teams three-and-one against the spread uh, this year. You and I, lifelong Cowboys fans. I think there's a picture. I tried to dig it up, Harley Kid, of you and I celebrating in my living room after the Cowboys won the 92 championship game, 30-20. Mm-hmm. to 20. Remember that? Kelvin Martin, Alvin Harper, big games. Um, mm-hmm. But I couldn't find that, and I'm already mad at this game. And that's why I didn't get too excited about the Patriots win, except when I went on Simmons, I had to rub it in a little. 49ers obviously beat us the last two playoff appearances. They had the Dak can't get to the line in time game, and the Zeke left alone to snap the ball game. What an embarrassment. I'm betting blind, though, Parley Kid. This is a weird bet. I'm betting blind that the 49ers score more than 12 and a half second half points. Um, it's a weird thing, but uh, three out of four times they've done this this year, six of the last eight regular season games, I think maybe we hang with them, and then uh, eventually our defense lets down Brock Purdy, does us in, sorry to say. 49ers over 12 and a half, second half. Well, so that's why I'm not picking a side here, Sal. I don't want to yeah. really touch it. I'm taking Dak over one and a half touchdown passes. You might say, partly kid, you're crazy. He struggled <laughs> against them in the playoffs, yes, but in his two regular season starts, Against the 49ers, he's thrown for five touchdown passes, three one game, two another. Postseason, yes, a different story. Opposing QBs have thrown the ball 44 and a half times per game against this Niners defense, usually because they're playing catch-up. Cowboys might have to do that. I think around the goal line, Cowboys will struggle being physical with this physical 49ers defense. They're going to have to take to the air in the red zone. They got to get their receivers more involved in the red zone. They do it this week. Dobbs threw for two last week against this defense. Dak does it this week, and I'm a winner. There's so much pressure on Dak, though. So much. You're a pressure guy, Parley Kid. You talk about it. How much it's because we really haven't seen him. I guess his best game was against the Jets, right? Uh, This is a statement game for Dak, and he's saying all the right things. He seems to be welcoming the challenge this week, Sal. Let's Mm -hmm. go. Let's get it. All right. Uh, Vegas, one-point favorite. Again, tic-tac zone, this line. Green Bay was favored. Now Vegas is favored. It looks like Garoppolo is trending to start. 44-and-a-half is he over under. Green Bay, 3-and-1 against the number. Vegas, 1-and-3 against the number. Uh, I liked it at 1-and-a-half. I don't like it with Las Vegas. My, I, I like this game to end the tie, so what do I do? No, I'm, taking, I'm staying with Las Vegas here. Yeah. Um, I like the minus one. Yeah. Didn't mind what I saw at him, even with Aiden O'Connell. I guess everybody looks good against the Chargers, but it was fine. Look, they have two or three of the best players on the field, right? Crosby, Jacobs, and Adams. And they have an advantage at quarterback, as far as I'm concerned, if Jimmy G plays. Jacobs yeah. gets going. He's fifth in opponent's yards per game. They, uh, the Packers are at 4.5. Jacobs is only 2.7. So uh, I think this is a good number. Minus one, home, in front of the crowd. Their fans, kind of, 26-19 kind Raiders. Of. Yeah, I'm with you here on with the Raiders cell, but I'm sure the Cheeseheads will be out in full force in Vegas 
on Monday night. But the Raiders showed a lot of heart uh, last week, coming within a few yards of tying that game up late. My assumption is Jimmy G's playing this week. I think he's playing. Sal, Devontae Adams against Green Bay. Let's talk about that. He's going to have a huge game this week. He's going to get in the end zone. Once those props are out, jump on Devontae Adams over props as well. That's going to be big time. Take Vegas here. I think they win this game. All right, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas, five and a half point favorite. 60 and a half is the over-under. Yes, it's the Red River rivalry like the Army-Navy game, but except they have more guns. They do. Count them up if you don't believe me. Uh, 49-0 last year. We're not going to see a repeat of that. Quinn Ewers was there. Bijan Robinson was there. Bijan is not there anymore. And you got Oklahoma, and they have a real quarterback, Dylan Gabriel now, 350 yards per game, uh, just beating everybody up. And now they have a chip on their shoulder against this Texas team who laid them flat last year. Texas is secondary, not great against a long pass. And I think Dylan Gabriel is going to keep them on their toes doing that. Look for that downfield throw to do Texas in. I think they're going to score and score a lot. Take their point total over 27 and a half. Which way are you going? I like that too, Sal. Look, Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel has been awesome. 1,500 yards passing, 15 TDs, completed 75% of his passes. They don't have a great rushing game, Oklahoma, but they do have four wide receivers who have over 200 yards receiving per game. They're third in points per game, fifth in points against per game. They have an average margin victory of 28 points. Yes, Texas did dominate the game last year, but that means Oklahoma has had this game circled on their calendar since that time last year. Let's go with Oklahoma in the five and a half, Sal. All right. I have it circled, too, because I'll be watching from a uh, club team baseball tournament in Huntington Beach if anyone <laughs> wants to join me in the bleachers. All right. Notre Dame, six and a half point favorite at Louisville. Line opened at seven. Came down a little. I'm going to try not to hold the grudge here. I've bet against Notre Dame the last three weeks. They've had a tough schedule. They're going to end up playing four yeah. straight undefeated teams. Ohio State started it Duke last week. Louisville this week and USC next week. That's got to be a record, I think, for this late in the yeah. year. I watched Louisville last week, Polly Kid. Not that impressed with Jack Plummer. I know he got the job done. They won. They stayed undefeated. But uh, he was sacked four times, and that's not Notre Dame's strong suit necessarily. But he also has six interceptions, and you're not going to want to turn it over against this defense. On the other side, Sam Hartman, perfect, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. I like this Notre Dame defense, again, 11th in the nation. They're battle-tested. Sam Hartman gets it done 30-19. to Take the Irish, give the points. I'm with you again here, Sal. And uh, you just mentioned their D. Their D gives up 13 points a game against good competition. So they're very solid. They're 5-1 against the spread so far this year. They've won their last 13 road games against ACC opponents. Audric Estime is the nation's leading rusher, mm-hmm. so let's give him some props too. And Hartman's been everything that Notre Dame hoped he would be, right? But he's only thrown one touchdown pass in the last two games. So you know what that means? He goes off in this one. I think Notre Dame in a route here against the Louisville Cardinals. All right. They've been a uh, betters friend this year. Five and one against the spread or four, one and one. If you, I don't know how you count that Ohio it state depends, game. Yeah. Went right up there. Okay. Georgia, Kentucky. That's our last game. Georgia, 14 and a half point favorite. 48 and a half is the over under. I'm going Kentucky under 16 mm. and a half points. They've been very good. They're blowing out everybody. They play including Florida last week. Georgia has been weird. Slow start yeah. in almost every game. I look up at the clock. There's like seven minutes left. It's like three nothing. I don't care in yeah. my bet here because I'm going Kentucky under 16 and a half points. So Georgia doesn't really need to score 
Um, their defense actually improves in the second half, a little more than five points a game given up. I'm banking on this defense. You know, they get run on, but it's primarily from run first quarterbacks that run on right. and gouge right. them up the middle. And this Devin Leary is not that minus 17 rushing yards total. He also has five interceptions. So you could expect one of or two of those this week. Kirby Smart, I think, has a statement game here, at least defensively. Give me under 16 and a half total points for Kentucky. Yes, yeah, so I'm taking Georgia minus 14 and a half here. So just for the reasons you just said, one, I think this is Georgia's statement game of the year so far. Kentucky under Mark Stoops is 0-10 against Georgia. Well, Kirby Smart 7-0 against Kentucky usually dominates this matchup. And like you said, where Georgia has struggled is with the mobile quarterbacks. Devin Leary is not for Kentucky. He's mm-hmm. a solid quarterback, but he doesn't contribute in the run game. And that's where Georgia is at its best. Take Georgia minus 14 and a half, Sal. All right, Georgia, we just went through all the college. Don't take Dayton wrestling because it does not exist anymore. Thanks to the Parlay Kid uh, winless. No, all right, you can follow the Parlay Kid on X at the Parlay Kid one. And of course, hear him on the Against All Odds podcast. Darren, thanks for coming on. Coming up, remember the fake high school Bishop Sycamore? Well, they made a very real documentary about it. And we've got the director of BSI, Trayvon Free, next on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Right now, let's take a break from the NFL to talk high school football, specifically fake high school football. My guest today is an Oscar-winning director whose documentary, B.S. High, told the incredible yet true story of Bishop Sycamore. Trayvon Free is here. What's happening, Trayvon? What's up, Sal? Thanks for having me. Let's go back from the beginning. What was the documentary you thought you were going to make versus the final product that aired? I mean, when they came to us to do it, we thought we were making a fun, like, look at this silly thing that happened. Look at, like, how this team somehow managed to get on ESPN and get get beat up pretty badly. And how funny was that, guys? And it turns out it was not at all uh, <laughs> like that at all. You talk to one other person who isn't Roy, you find out real yeah. It's a it's not a great story. The fact that they're not attending classes is an afterthought. And then it all culminates in them playing on ESPN. Now, this was during COVID, so it's weird times anyway. So maybe the vetting process wasn't as stringent as it normally is, or maybe they don't have it at all at ESPN. But you get it. Uh, Roy gets a matchup with IMG. Uh, just a powerhouse high school, which uh, they also are not really a high school, too. I, I feel <laughs> like it's almost criminal what they pull off, too. But Roy's team. Bishop Sycamore gets smoked and they don't have a trainer. They don't have, the kids are going down. They're getting beaten up and it's right there on TV for everyone to watch. And everyone is watching because there's nothing else to do at this time of uh, right. our lives. Um, and I think it was during halftime that the players realized that this team, this school and Roy were all frauds, right? Yeah, it was a little bit, a little bit before halftime, the player, the, the announcers started to realize like this just doesn't feel right. <laughs> and these rosters aren't matching up with what we have, what we see on the field or names of players that we're being told are in the game. And that starts to line up with the beating they're taking. And it slowly starts to unravel itself in real time for, for both people online who are doing their own searching for this school and these players and the announcers who are watching something so bad that they can't ignore it. They can't pretend 
it's not happening. Oh, that is just another game. I don't know how you planned on doing the documentary, if you were just going to go to Roy and then the students and then that was it. But you definitely came back to him because, and this was great what you did. You had on the iPad some of the reactions from the students and to, you know, just so you're like, just so it's not like a he said, she said thing, you're showing them and they're like very emotional and they're like, screw this guy. And he's watching and then he has a decision to make. How is he going to, he seems to have multiple personalities anyway. <laughs> and he leaves the interview. And to your credit, you follow him. Um, what was going through your mind then? Just how bad the stories we were hearing were. We were like, well, naturally, we we can't present this to the audience and then not go back to him and sure. and let him address it, like let him respond to it because it'll just feel one sided. Um, so we we decided to reset up another interview with him and Andre and to let him see what people were saying about it, because it was funny because we thought he would walk out at so many other moments in the interview and he never did. Hmm. And that was the moment he did. And so we're like having our, uh, our camera guy, like we're like, his camera's actually on uh, uh, a rig. So it's like bolted in and we're like, get that camera off the floor. Like, <laughs> like, go, like go follow him, follow him. Cause he's still mic'd up, but we want to like, see, so you see, like you'll notice, you'll see like Colin, like running toward him at the end of the gate, trying to catch up. Right. Um, and that I love that moment so much because it's the best. It shows you the contrast between Andre and Roy so clearly where they both saw the same thing. And one of their reaction was just like a feeling of hurt and failure and letting down the kids. And, you know, if we played it out longer, you see him sitting there just crying in silence. Mm. And meanwhile, Roy's outside ranting like a madman. <laughs> yeah. Denial. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah denial and yeah. bruised. And he realizes like, this ain't going to be what he thought it was. As a documentarian, is it, is it a bummer when you realize he's just not going to give you, he's just not going to be honest about a lot of this stuff? Or is it like, Oh, this is a train wreck. I love it. Let it, let him, let, let him hang himself. So once you learn his rhythms of like, when you think he might be telling the truth and when he's trying to win you over, you hmm. start to like understand how to respond to it and what things to not respond to, because he, there is a thing that you kind of develop with him when you're sitting across from him after a certain amount of time where you can feel him trying to do the con to you that he did to all the people along the way. And we wanted the audience to experience that. We wanted the audience to feel like you were being conned by Roy until you found out what other people went through. And Mission accomplished. We, I, I felt it. It was very, very, very strange. It really, yeah. and yet, and yet he probably looks at himself as a hero or do you think a, a con man, hero or villain or a combination of all, like, what do you think goes through his mind? I think he thinks he just, he wrote wrong. Like even now when you like, he just did the Joe Budden podcast and, you know, he was on Twitter defending himself when the movie was out and uh, he came to the premiere of the movie. And after we showed it to him the day before, I think, or the morning of, so that it wasn't like a surprise to him, you know, what was mm -hmm. about to happen. And he, at every instance, he talks about how much he loves the movie. And in my mind, I can't fathom seeing something like that about me and being like, I love this. I wonder if he could pull this off even now. Now, I don't think he could set it. It wouldn't be exactly the same. And 
no high school would take on a team that's not uh, officially a high school. That that gigs up. But could you see him doing something similar, organizing a team, lying his way through, not necessarily getting on ESPN, but creating like a globetrotters team of football players, if you will? I think there is definitely a part of him that is willing and probably wants to do this again. I mean, I get he said it on Twitter as well. But I I hope that enough parents saw this and realized what a mistake that would be to let that happen. Um, but I also feel like there's a significant amount of people out there who might be like, you know what? But yeah. Why not? You only need what, 20, a little more, 22, 25 in the whole country that he could con. I, I think he could pull it off. I really do. <laughs> How would you, you were yourself a highly recruited athlete, played on a state champion uh, basketball team, right? Yeah. Do you think you would have reacted? How would, would you have laughed off a Roy Johnson type or was he that persuasive? So there's, there's just no way I could see myself or my mom falling for that type of thing because right. a big part of why it worked was because it was because it was players who were vulnerable in that way, who did not mm-hmm. have uh, a real shot at the next level and who ended up not making it there for the most part. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, one player who's at Louisville now as a walk on and there's, uh, you know, trillions playing um, at a community college, but, the um, reality is most of those kids were never going to make it to the places he was promising them they were going. They weren't going to Alabama. They weren't going to Ohio State. Yeah. One of these primetime D1 programs, because if they were, they would have known long before Roy came about. Uh, you mentioned Trillian Harris. Are they are they doing well? Have they, have they put this aside? A lot of the other players have moved on and tried to, like, find other ways of of – uh, you know, moving through life because football is just kind of sailed. That ship is sailed. They've aged out um, or that opportunity is just not coming. And, and the saddest part is if you know anything about AAU sports, if you know anything about college and high school sports, you have such a clear understanding of just how little, one of how hard it is already, no matter, even when you're good, even when you're good, how hard it is to make it. All right. Well, there you go. Trayvon Free, your movie documentary, BS High, can be and should be seen streaming on Max. Trayvon, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sal. I appreciate you having me back. All right. Don't go away. We'll be right back to wrap up the show on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. enough grains of sand in the hourglass for me to give out another winning same game parlay this one involves the chiefs and the vikings i'm taking the vikes adjusted to plus seven and a half the over adjusted the other way to 54 and a half and travis kelsey to score a touchdown no tay tay no problem i want to thank trayvon free i want to thank darren the parlay kid sicoli and i like to thank the nfl referees for banning the taunting rule after my poignant editorial that's that. I'm Sal reminding you, you may feel like underdogs, but please know you're all my favorites. So long and happy handicapping. Woo!